Amen. Uh, last week, we, we, we kicked off a sermon series titled uh, on Advent, and we titled that series, Waiting Here for You. We're going to continue the conversation a little this morning. Um, but essentially, we established the meaning last week behind Advent as being a time when the church celebrates and commemorates the birth of Christ, while anticipating and, and preparing ourselves for the day of Jesus's return. I know that can be pretty wild to say in 2022, but how many uh, are, are sure of the fact that Christ is going to return one day to rule as king? Yeah. It's not something you hear about a lot. We should talk about it a lot more. And more than just talk about it, we should actually, as the people of God, prepare our hearts for that day. And the reason I say that is because I ended last week's sermon with making this remark, this statement, or this point. It's, it's my opinion that there is a wrong and there is a right way to wait on the Lord. Let's just let that sink in a little bit, right? In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, there, there is a wrong way to wait on the Lord and there is a right way to wait on the Lord. There's a couple of examples, fortunately for us in the scriptures. One is in Psalms 40, I think a popular text. I believe if I memory is working correctly, most scholars believe this Psalms to be written around the time of um, David's moral failing with Bathsheba. But in that Psalms, uh, David said this, I waited patiently for the Lord. And the Lord ended up hearing David's cry as he waited patiently. And, and in the throes of what David would describe as a horrible pit, God had rescued him from. So I would quite, kind of qualify that as waiting rightly, right, if you would. It was, it was the right way to wait on the Lord. The word patiently in the Hebrew means to hope or to look forward with confidence to that which is good. Essentially, David had a deep sense of hope that the Lord would rescue him from the current set of situation or circumstances that he was in. Hence, David waited rightly on the Lord in that he waited patiently with hope in his heart that the Lord would deliver him again from the circumstances that he was in. And if you're familiar with that story, he was kind of deep. David got himself into a couple, you know, problematic circumstances and situations, and this was certainly one of those. Now, fortunately for us, there are a set of stories in the scripture where Bible characters, well, they didn't wait like David is waiting here in Psalms 24. I'm sorry, Psalms 40, my, 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 my bad. Um, hence, they didn't wait patiently for the Lord. For example, I'm sure many of you know where I'm going with this. Um, take the story of Abram and Sarah, right? I think more appropriately uh, at this point in the scripture that we're going to read, their names are Abram and Sarai, uh, because at this point, uh, the Lord had not yet changed their name. Um, but they were given a promise, if you're familiar. Uh, and I'm sure it took many years. Actually, we know it took many years because that's what we see in the book of Genesis. And I'm sure those years were surrounded by a lot of tears, a lot of pain until that promise was fulfilled. Sarah had been uh, barren uh, and both her and Abram desperately wanted a son. And God gave Abram the promise that he would have an heir 
that he would have a son of his own. Let's turn there actually in the scripture in Genesis 15. We'll just read briefly verses one through four. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, This man, Eleazar is who the Lord is talking about, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be. Now, I'm going to ask a very obvious question. I'm sure all of us have felt um, at one point in our Christian walks, um, we felt the feelings of like doubt, especially when it comes to doubting God. I know most of you probably have never been there because you're holy people, um, but I have certainly been there many times. But, but, but just a serious question here. Have you ever been promised something that was so good but you actually lack the faith that that promise God gave you would actually ever come to anything? Anybody ever been there? Anybody there currently? <laughs> I can rattle off about three things that come to mind in my own personal life. But you just, you've been promised these awesome things, you know, these great and glorious things by God, but you just don't have the faith, right, to actually believe that they'll ever come to pass. And that could be because of time. There's been a lot of time that's Past from the time you got that promise to where your life is now. But my point is this, that, that there seems to be a degree of, of doubt in Abram's response. Abram appears to be doubting God. Now, again, just my own opinion. Um, there's two kind of doubts that I think, you know, for the most part, we humans struggle with. Um, and I believe that those doubts are seen here in Genesis 15 and, and in Genesis 16, the chapter that we'll be reading a couple of verses out of later. Um, but let me just rattle off what I believe those two kind of doubts is. The kind of doubt that denies God, God's promises, excuse me. So let me, let me kind of qualify that or define that. There's no way God's going to do this. He's had enough time. And if he hasn't done it by now, he most likely never will. So maybe I should do it myself. Anybody ever do that? Everybody, like, not even verbalize those words, but think those things, right? There's no way God's going to do this. He had enough time, and he hasn't done it, and most likely because of all the time that has passed, he never will. So maybe I should come up with a plan to kind of, like, execute this thing myself, kind of pull this thing off, you know, myself. And then there's the kind of doubt that desires God's promises but lacks the faith for them. Like, God can do this. I, I know he can. I so long for God to do this, but I just don't see how he can, given my limitations. Like you had something to do, like how God was going to pull off this awesome and great promise. He, you know, God said he's going to give them a son. I think the latter here of the two reactions reflects Abram's disposition best in Genesis 15. At least for the moment, Abram believes that God can do this, but feels the circumstances that he's faced with Sarai being barren for so long, it's humanly impossible. Abram wants to believe God can give him a son, but doesn't see how it can actually happen. Um, 
And so he looks to God actually here. This is what kind of leads me to believe that Abram's disposition is of the second. Like he believes God, but he just sees kind of the limitations as if he has something to do with the equation. And, and actually, the reason that makes me think that is verses two and three. You'd almost think that Abram is blaming God for what's going on in, when you read verses two and three, but Abram's not blaming God at all. Abram is being vulnerable and honest with God. One author puts it this way regarding Abram's responses in verse two and three. If you could put uh, the, the verses back up there, that would be great just so people can see it. He says this, um, and I don't know his name, so I apologize. Uh, but it says, I'm sure Abram appreciated the promise from God But at the same time, there was perhaps a sense in which it sounded empty to Abram. It was as if Abram said, what what good is it that you are my shield and my reward? The only thing I've ever wanted with any passion in life is a son. It's as if Abram is saying, God, where are the descendants you promised me? And if you're familiar with the story, we know that in Genesis chapter 12 is when kind of this like promise was given to Abram to have descendants of his own. And it's believed that at this point, Abram was um, 75 years of age. Now, one thing that's important, I believe, to consider here when it comes to our own struggle, right, with waiting on the Lord, waiting in a way that actually glorifies God, is Proverbs 13, 12. If we can put it up on the overhead. There's another uh, portion of text that I'm sure everybody's familiar with, but Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Now, why do I throw this text into the conversation this morning? Is because at this point, even though it's not necessarily so overtly obvious, Abraham is in a sense losing hope in what the Lord has promised him some now 25 years before Genesis 15. Um, he, he, he certainly doesn't have the hope that David had in Psalms 40, right? You know, where David waited patiently on the Lord. Um, Abram's hope here seems to be languishing. In Psalms 40, uh, while in the horrible pit, hope is actually what sustains David's heart. And of course, when the fulfillment of what's being hoped for is delayed, the heart can become sick. That is to say it can become faint or grow weary and tired. And this is, I believe, what's starting to take place in Abram's heart regarding waiting on the promise. Proverbs thirteen twelve reminds us how uh, worth it it is to endure a sense of sickness while waiting, or faintness, or kind of like giving up, uh, while waiting on God's promises to arrive. Because this is what happens, guys. When that promise arrives, the sheer goodness of what's been promised, when it actually comes into fruition, will eclipse any pain we would ever experience while waiting for it. That's what we need to understand. We don't, we don't need to, you know, um, quick the bullet. You know, we don't need to get out there quick ahead of, you know, our own discontentment and our own desire for the promises of God to come to pass. There's something that's glorious about waiting patiently on the Lord. There's something that is worked out in our hearts that if we kind of, you know, uh, if, we, if we kind of try to escape that, 
then we don't really um, come into a, a, a level of maturity as believers or a, a level of like growing in our faith that the Lord desires to transpire while we're waiting. Uh, I think one thing that will kind of capture what I'm trying to say here is 2 Corinthians 4.17, another text that everybody is um, certainly familiar with. Uh, and, and in light of like eternity, of which is some of what we're talking about today, because how many know we've been waiting on Christ's return for some time now, right? I mean, this is we're thousands of years into this, right? But look, look, at, look at Paul's take. Um, he says this, for this light momentary affliction, and this, this life, this life that we are living that's so um, immersed in pain and affliction is preparing us, okay? All right, I, I like that. I like that word, right? Preparing us, kind of what I'm talking about, for an eternal, guys, listen to this, an eternal, not just 80, not just 90 years of your life. <laughs> I mean, that's what most of us are gonna get. If you're me, maybe, you know, less, but, you know, just a joke, just, just kidding. <laughs> Excuse me. Right? But, but we're being prepared uh, um, for us, an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. I don't know. I want that. I want the second half of, of, of that. See, you know, most of us are just living for tomorrow. You know, uh, rather that if that's in our careers, right? If that's in our marriages, and our relationships, you know, even, even as a pastor, it, it, it is, it is, Tricky not just to live for the next Sunday, just like, okay, what are we doing this Sunday, right? But most of us, that's all we can kind of like get ahead of or, or actually think about. But, but guys, there's, there's far more to live for in this life. Uh, there's far more that's going on behind the curtain, so to speak, that's actually preparing us for eternity. And, 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 and actually the pain that we face today will be eclipsed. It won't even be a memory for most of us of the eternal weight of God's glory that's going to come. Abram is said to be 75 years old around the time God gives him the promise in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis. The span of time that would pass before his child as Isaac, excuse me, which is the son of the promise, was born is an estimated 25 years later. Abram is said to be 86 at the time of Ishmael's birth. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but if you're familiar with the story, you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, and we're going to get there. Uh, so there's about 11 years, I guess is my point, uh, that in, in, when, when, when Genesis 15 comes you know, into play and this exchange between uh, Abram and God takes place, there's 11 years of waiting uh, on God's promise before his wife Sarai comes up with this ugly, uh, sad, <laughs> um, I don't even know what to call it, but let's read. In Genesis 16, one through six. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So he had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. 
And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived a child. This is kind of like the, the downside of what happens when we become impatient, right? I mean, what a plan to come up with. What a, what a, what a, how the human brain works. Like, how do you go for the promises of God to that, you know? And again, I think it just clearly explains like the process that, that Sarai and Abram are, are experiencing as they have this deepened desire for children of their own. They're willing to go to any length to get there. And, and, and if you're familiar with the story, you know that um, the, the decisions that they made to do what we just read have massive implications and still do in the world today. Massive implications of just wrong. And so you may be sitting here this morning and be like, what does an ancient story have to do with us, right? I, well, I, I think some of that's very obvious already, right? I mean, I can see myself in Abram. I, I can see myself in uh, Sarai. Uh, let me just read a little something that I found was interesting. A UMass Amherst professor examined the viewing habits of just about 6.7 million internet users in a study released last fall. Essentially... The professor looked at how long subjects were willing to be patient while their video or, uh, or website loaded on the internet. Uh, they found that an average person waited two seconds. Two seconds. I mean, you can relate to that. I mean, you're like flipping through Instagram, those reels, you're just like, all right, I get the spinning wheel of death next. You know, like, this is like the boom, 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 boom. But two seconds, they would, they would check out the average person. After that, they started abandoning the search altogether. After five seconds, uh, the abandoned rate shot up to 25%. Uh, when you got to about 10 second, seconds, excuse me, over half were gone. He concluded this, and I found this to be interesting. The results offer a glimpse into the future. As internet speeds increase, people will be even less willing to wait for that cute puppy video to load. And this is what was most, um, like, just took me. Um, a little bit here. The professor worries that someday people will be too impatient to conduct studies on patients. <laughs> but here it is. The need for instant gratification is so pervasive in our culture and it grows by the minute. I'm so grateful for the internet. I am so grateful that we can search. I mean, I wouldn't have found this without Google, you know? So, but... um. We need, as the people of God, to be careful of, of, of what's taking place and transpiring in our culture um, through the means of instant gratification. Instant gratification is not a new thing in the world, um, but the expectations for it is. It has become pretty pervasive in America. Sadly, this has created a culture, even within the church, where people's patience are growing thinner. We just lack patience. We lack patience. But patience is the one thing we are going to need and continue to need as we wait on the Lord 
as our sermon title suggests, as we wait on the Lord, the one place where, where we, the people of God, need to get it right is Psalms 40. I'll wait patiently on the Lord in hope, knowing that he is coming again. Janet Oak, the famous author, said this, impatience can cause wise people to do foolish things. Come on. I don't think that there's any wiser people, although sometimes I scratch my head than the people of God. No, seriously, we're, we're, we're a people that are, are instructed and taught to search out wisdom, to get wisdom. We understand the importance of wisdom, right? But we also can become impatient in waiting. I mean, if you, you know, want to like test just like, you know, if you're, if you're excelling in the area of patience, if you drive your car, like, you know, uh, uh, during Cambridge rush hour, and, and just, just monitor your responses, right? And that will give you a great indicator on just how much the Lord has worked the, the fruit of patience, the fruit of patience in your life. Come on, guys, it's a, it's a fruit. It's a, it's a mark of having the indwelling spirit inside of you and I. Patience, patience, impatience can cause wise people to do foolish things. I think that this beautiful couple gave, got, came kind of to the end of their patience, right? They just, they cashed in. So they did something that we all do, right? When, when, when things aren't going the way that we, we want them to go, they, they came up with their own tactics, right? And, and hope that it would help them get the same result or what they wanted the most, which was a, a child. How many of us can relate to that? I, I know I certainly can. God gives a promise. I'm in the throes of, of waiting for uh, the fulfillment of that promise. Uh, and, and then I'm kind of at a crossroads. Okay, am I going to choose like patient, like, like waiting for the fulfillment of this uh, a promise to come to pass? Or am I just going to try to concoct and kind of manipulate and, and work some things out that maybe I could get to the, the goal or having this promise a different way without waiting? But here's the deal. Like when God promises you something, there's nothing that you can do to, to help that promise out go any faster. I mean, certainly you can come up with your own plan, but usually it fails. If God promised it, God will accomplish it. Let me say that again. If God has promised you something today, friends, it is God's job to accomplish it. It doesn't matter how long it takes, uh, how much time passes between the promise and the fulfillment. If it is truly from God, then God will steward it. God will bring it to fruition. You could say that the kind of doubt that Abram and Sarai exhibits here in chapter 16 is the kind that denies God's promises by, by looking for another way to achieve the same desired goal by using different methods. That speaks so, that's, it just speaks so to the current cultural moment that we find ourselves in as Americans, right? have these goals, 
But we just become so impatient with waiting for God to bring these promises into fruition. Friends, again, if God has given you a promise, then God will accomplish bringing that promise into being. I'll learn this um, over the time of our, our story of adoption. Uh, many of you guys know for now, uh, going on nine months, uh, we adopted a little boy and um, there's been a lot of highs and lows and there's a continual kind of battle going on. Um, but well before we adopted uh, Benjamin, Ezra, Temple, um, God had spoken to us clearly. I felt like God even both personally and through prophetic friends of ours gave us words about the moment that we're actually in. But here's what happened. It, it took years to get there. It took years of our lives to get there. And there was ups and downs. There was like, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? Is anything going to happen? Or did we, you know, did, did, did we just like, was what we were hearing like the result of bad food that we ate before? I mean, what's going on here? There was ups, there was down. But this is uh, three things that I learned um, from the process um, after God spoke his promises of adopting uh, our little boy. Um, one, the process of adopting a child is long, so I could relate, Abram and Sarai. Uh, the patience, and this will speak into any uh, aspect of life that you face today, the patience you need to endure that promise, that process, excuse me, is great. And thirdly, there is no way of making that process go any faster apart from the Lord's doing. There's no way. God is not obligated, friends. Listen to me as I close. God is not obligated to bless the different methods we employ in order to obtain what he's promised us. He's not. God promised Abram that a son, uh, uh, sorry, he promised him a son of his own, and, uh, that the son would be his heir. There was no shortcuts, although they tried. There never is. Just, just, just let's get this in our heart. There never are shortcuts that we can take. God accomplishes what God promises, period. Right, we didn't see in those stories that we read, and we only read just a couple of verses, but we didn't see anywhere in the storyline that God said he needed their help. You know, God, God didn't say, hey man, if you, if you think outside the box, given your age, right, you know, I, I hear you, you know, she's, she's pretty old, pretty barren, you know, like, Hey, uh, you know, if you think outside the box, get kind of creative with this thing, right? Um, you know, if, if, you, if, if, you, if you get creative and you kind of manipulate things and, and yeah, yeah, this is a great idea um, that, you're, that you're concocting, you're coming up with, man, let's do it. I'll, I'll bless it if you do it. Let's, just, let's go with this. No, God said it. I'll give you a son, Abram. That means God's got it. God has got it. And see, that's ultimately what our patience should be rooted in, if that makes sense. Like, right? So, like, when you know that God has got the circumstances and the details surrounding the promises that He's given you, it's kind of impossible to, to worry and to become impatient because you just, you just place the responsibility in God's hands. I imagine today there's. A lot of people who are in this room who have been given some promises, you know. 
And, and, and to you, I would say this, and maybe you've been waiting a long time for those promises to come into to being. But I, but I would say this, if, if, if you're struggling with some doubt, I just encourage you to, to, to just observe and look at what your hope is actually in today. What, what do you, what do you, are, are you hope, are you like, like, like what is your hope rooted in when it comes to those promises? Like, like are, you, are, you, are you hopeful that some way you can make this promise come into being? Or are, are you secure and hopeful that God will? God is faithful. If he has truly given us a promise, then he will truly be committed to accomplishing that promise. And I think this is appropriate for this time of the year too. As we kind of reorientate our hearts and kind of engage our minds and, and, and think actually about the big picture of Jesus's return. Like, like you know, in, in light of waiting for that day, let me, let me just kind of say this. How are you preparing yourself today for that day? Or are you preparing yourself? You know, or has it become like background noise? You know, like, oh yeah, like I've heard that, you know, for years that this could be the year. You know, fortunately, and I think it is fortunately, we're, we're not privy to the day of the Lord's return. The, the Bible doesn't disclose that information for us, but it does tell us to prepare our lives for that day. And, and you may prepare your life and never see that day. But, but let me tell you, <laughs> you will see the Lord. <laughs> and, and irregardless, you're, you're, you're preparing yourself will not be wasted. It will not be wasted. And my, my kind of encouragement to you this week and next and as we get closer to Christmas is, guys, let's wait well. Let's wait patiently. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's not live like we're of this world. Let's not just live for our paychecks and our nice comfort American, you know, idealism, you know, just like, I just want a family and just like, want to relax and get that white picket fence, two kids maybe, you know, like in that ideal job. And I just, I just, I, you know, I, this is what I want. This is what life is. No, life is far more than what the American dream has painted for us. I love America. I do. I, I'm so grateful for this country, but not more grateful than I am for a country that I so long for, another home of which I know is my eternal destination. And man, we got a lot of comfy Christians in America today, a lot of cozy Christians living aloof to the fact that this is just a moment in life. This is just a brief moment in time. And so my encouragement to you as we go into Christmas is prepare your lives, friends. Prepare your lives for the coming, for the return of Christ. Like it's going to happen tomorrow. Like if we were in on the secret like of, of Jesus's return, how would you live? If we knew that, that in a week or a, a, a tomorrow that Christ was going to return, how would you live differently than what or how you're living today, like to right now? Excuse me, that didn't really land well. But, 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 but if I knew, if you knew that it was a week, a month, a day away, your lives would be different. 
everything about him. What you lived for, what you desired, would be so different. So different. And I just encourage you, live that way now. Live that way now. I'm going to ask Will to come to the keys and we're, we're going to close this time out with um, communion. So Jung-Soo, if you'd come. Um, listen, I really love this time of the year. I, if you look at my house, I was like Monday after I preached that sermon, I was up Monday setting up garland. We were getting the tree. We were, do, we're doing it all. Listen, I, I so enjoy this time of the year. And I'm not in any way trying to be a Grinch, <laughs> you know. And, 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 but, 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 but let's live in this time, in this moment as, as believers. Let's, let's, let's lock into what this season is truly all about. Reflection, right? Commemorating and celebrating the birth of Christ, right? And then, and then anticipating and, and while anticipating, preparing our hearts for the end. See, the one thing that is, that is most certainly going to happen, friends, even more than you achieving the American dream is death. We are all going to die, friends. And in light of that, let's, let's, let's prepare ourselves as if that day was tomorrow. What, what would you do? Live life with no regrets when it comes to your faith in Christ. Pour it out all. That song that we sung earlier today was more than a song. That was an anthem. That was a heart posture. Lord, we will give it all to you. Let's be the people of God. Let's give it all to him. Jung Su, come on over. Center stage, man. So as Pastor Zero shared, we are going to take communion together. A uh, few practical things first. Um, if you have not received this uh, communion cup on your way in, please raise your hand uh, so that ushers can uh, get you one. And also at the end of the service, if you could uh, take this communion cup to the trash bin um, in, at the end uh, on your way out, that will be very helpful for the breakdown team. During this time, uh, we remember that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as a human and died on the cross for our sins um, to reconcile us to God. Um, if you're not a, a believer in Jesus Christ, we ask that you just leave the element at your seat because the Bible commands us not to take communion without uh, reverence or gratitude for what Jesus has done on the cross. But we are so uh, glad that you're here with us. Whether uh, you're exploring Christianity or not, um, we'd like to chat with you and uh, pray for you if you're open to receive uh, prayer. Um, please come to the front or the welcome center there after the service. If you are uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, we are commended not to take communion in an unworthy manner. 
Um, so let's take a moment here and examine our heart before God and our life and the relationships that we have with others. I'm going to read uh, Psalm 139. Oh Lord, this is our prayer. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. supper Jesus took the bread and broke it and said take eat this is my body broken for you as often as you take it remember me let's partake the of the bread together um, just to remember uh, before you take it sorry <laughs> um, let's actually break it so that we can remember that his body broken for us Then again on the same night, Jesus took the wine and blessed it. Then said, take, drink. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, remember me. Let's partake of the, the juice together. God, just for giving us this opportunity, Lord, just to gather together in your house, Lord, and worship you together and praise you, Lord, and hear about you, Lord, be encouraged, Lord God, just to love you, Lord God, to follow you, Lord. Father, Lord, I lift those who, who don't know you yet, Lord, who are with us, Lord, either here today or online. We just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, it is Lord, it, the reason they're listening to this, Lord, and watching this, Lord, and being here with us, Lord, it's you, Lord. Would you reveal yourself to them, Lord? Just like you did to me, like to many of us here, Lord. God, show us, Lord, how, how much love that you have, Lord, and how, how mighty you are, Lord, and how wonderful you are. Lord God, would you, would you teach them, Lord God? It's, uh, Christianity is not about rules or coming to churches or following things and doing tithing. But Lord, really being touched by your love, Lord God. Our heart being touched by your love, Lord, that you care and you are for us, Lord. And just responding, Lord God, with our whole heart to you, Lord. Oh Jesus, Lord, I just, just pray, Lord God, those... My, my, my fellow brothers and sisters here, Lord. Jesus, you said that you came to give us life. Life abundantly, Lord. Oh, Father, Lord, but we recognize that, Lord, many times and quite often, Lord God, we, we don't feel that way, Lord. We lose hope, Lord God. 
we lose peace, Lord God. We are worried, Lord God. We distressed, Lord God. We see brokenness, Lord, in, in us, Lord, in others, in our families, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, Lord, thank you that, Lord God, it's not about saying that you are Savior. It's not about, Lord God, acknowledging that you are becoming a Christian, Lord God. Lord God, you don't leave us like that, Lord. Jesus, you said to the believing Jews, the believing Jews that abide in my word, abide in my word, then you shall know the truth and the truth that will set you free. Lord, we just, we just need your help, Holy Spirit, Lord God. We, Lord God, just growing up and living in this broken world, Lord God. Lord God, and, and Lord God, having lived this life, Lord God, believing many lies, Lord. We, we Lord, we have a twisted thinking, Lord God. We do not know you well, Lord. So Jesus, Lord, I just, just ask that, Lord, yes, God, some of, the, some of the, the work that you're doing is a lifelong process, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, and we trust in you, Lord, just like Pastor Daryl preached, Lord God, Lord, as, Lord, would you give us grace, Lord God, just to dwell in you, to abide in you, to wait on you, Lord, and to know you, Lord, to know who you are, Lord, and being able to trust in you, Lord, knowing that you are trustworthy, knowing that when we wait, Lord God, and it is, first of all, it is you who give us strength to wait, Lord, and knowing, Lord, knowing that you will, you will always come, Lord, you will always come and meet us, Lord, as we trust in you, Lord God, you will meet us, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, Lord, we just, just pray that, just, uh, as, as we heard, Lord God, in the message, Lord God, you are coming back, Lord. I just ask that, Lord, all of us here will be able to build our life, Lord, on the foundation of Jesus, Lord God, with gold and silver and precious metals and precious stones, Lord God, that will stand, that they will endure the fire that's coming, Lord. Father, Lord, we will not be, Lord God, foolish virgins, Lord God, a foolish people who build a life with wood and hay and straw that will burn up, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we need your help, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We just ask that, Lord, continue to empower us, Lord God, to live this life, Lord, worthy of, of, of your calling that you have given to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Five more seconds as we wrap things up. Um, for those who may be new here today, um, the info center is open. And, um, you know, if uh, this community seems appealing, you're like, man, I'd like to find more information out about these peeps and how to get more involved and more plugged in, or just some general information. Uh, I want to turn your attention over there to the info center. We have some people there that just want to get to know you give you a nice gift and exchange some information, nothing too over the top. Um, 
And lastly, as we always do, as we close out, the altar's open, meaning um, we're here to pray for you. Uh, if anybody has come in here uh, with a certain burden or something you're faced with or going through, and you just need somebody to join and agree with you in prayer, uh, then the altar's open. There's going to be some people here um, ready to just pray with you and for you. Don't leave without getting prayer. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, fight the urge to just run right out of the building. Like, like, you know, there's power in agreement, right? That's what we, we see in Scripture. And so sometimes what's needed, what's necessary, and our greatest moment is just to pray with our friends. Um, and so that's available. And then also, I'll be up here. Um, I, I'm not under the assumption that everybody here is a believer, and that's awesome. I love that. That's, that's exciting. Um, and maybe if you're here and you're in that place, um, you want to find out some more information. You, you get like, what, what is the anchor of your patience? What do you like? I get it. Like what you're talking about sounds good and appealing, but uh, it sounds too magical, right? Um, and, and you want to get some more information about the power that actually supplies patience, you know, as, as well as many other awesome godly virtues, then I'll be here. I'd like to have a conversation with you. So just know that's available. Uh, we'll just be up front, willing and ready to pray and to have a conversation if, if needed. Um, apart from that, friends, have a great Sunday as always, right? Enjoy today. Enjoy one another. Enjoy your families. Um, and then uh, enjoy your week as well. And, and know that we do this every Sunday. You don't have to be a stranger. Maybe you're in the place of you're uh, a once every month kind of churchgoer. Maybe you want to up that up to two times a month, you know, um, whatever it is. But there, there's a power in being together, isn't there? There's a power when we share our experiences and our journey of faith and we pray and we gather. There's a power in that. So I just want to encourage you as we step into the new year, maybe you want to take your you know, approach to attending and being more part of a community of faith, seriously. Apart from that, friends, have a great week. Have a great day. We love you. Altar's open. God bless. Uh, feel free to.